1: guys, just jumping in here again to let you know this is part two of that long session that I had with Jim Moeller. Great guy. Awesome conversation. So if you didn't hear the first one, you need to go back and listen to the first one. We're going to start this one right in the dead middle of our conversation. So if you haven't listened to the last one, you need to listen to that. That way, you can kind of know where we're at in the second part. So here we go. Yeah, I would, I would love to see that. I, I've been shooting a shot cam since they first come, almost since they first come out. But, uh, man, now, what was, where was I? I said there was something you were just talking about that I wanted to. Oh, the the, the slower the shot. Yeah. At, the lead. Okay, let me ask you this. This was the other question I was going to ask is, you were talking about shooting down to two shot was still for the further distance. So you're only going down in shot size for, uh, for, velocity or to retain energy at a farther distance it has nothing to do because technically you like more pellets or bbs in a load if you have to pick but then if you're trying to reach out farther then you're going with the the bigger size right
2: yes okay and steel
1: okay In steel. yes so
2: yeah in steel and the nice thing about steel is because it's you know it's it's light you get a lot more pellets in the shell for the payload right mm-hmm Mm-hmm. so if you're shooting an ounce and three-eighths number steel two you've still got a lot of pellets on the bird and if you've got the right choke you're going to kill a bird but the moment that you go bigger than number two your pellet count goes way down quickly obviously just mm-hmm. because of geometry right. right the way the balls stack
3: right
2: um round balls stack like a Ballantine ale symbol a triangle okay so the reason like blindside they came out with the with the square shaped pellets is because they stack differently and they could fit more into a Oh, box, that's right? why I did it. Okay. Yeah, but the problem with a square pellet, if you look back into the 1950s and 60s, Remington created that as a spreader load. And huh. it's an efficient spreader load because it's not because it has flat asset uh, facets on it. It actually spreads out quickly. Hmm. So so basically, Blindside made a spreader load for a hunting load. <laughs> huh. But it was a great marketing thing. Anyway, <laughs> so, so you know, payload is, is really like we talked about. You want the heaviest payload possible. And for steel shot, ounce and three-eighths in a three-inch hull is the most you could cram in, no matter what. Mm. You can't really cram more than that in unless you're shooting number fours or smaller. If you're shooting number four or smaller, like fours, sixes, sevens, you could get more than ounce and three-eighths into a three-inch hull. Um, mm. But nothing bigger than a four. You can't. It's very difficult.
1: Okay. So now you were getting ready to dip into bismuth.
2: Oh, uh Hold on. I'm sorry. Yeah, so, go ahead. Lead. Yes, yes. it is is a very important thing. Yes, so this is huge. The reason it's important is because it, it, it's important, right? And a lot of people wonder this. Yes, so, I, I do
1: too. I'll raise my hand.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I'm a master class sporting clay competitor, right? Okay. I do a lot of shooting competitively and also master wing shooter and all that fun stuff. So if you're shooting a target inside 25 yards, velocity is in fact going to change your lead enough to the point where you'll notice a difference okay Yeah. so inside 25 yards velocity matters with your lead all right but past 25 yards the difference becomes so insignificant you are not going to really be able to see the difference and the moment you exceed 35 yards you cannot see the difference okay? how's that and because velocity drops off right So, like inside 25 yards, the velocity is still cranked up. Yeah. So, if you start out at 1500 versus 1145, at 25 yards, your difference in lead is about two feet, which is significant because on a 25 yard target, your total amount of lead needed is about two feet, two to three feet, right?
1: Okay.
2: So, I'll give you a specific station four on ski from station four which is the farthest station away it's a 90 degree crosser yes it's approximately 27 yards to the center stake okay you need two to two and a half feet of lead with basically 1200 feet per second load okay now that 1200 feet per second load could be 1150 it could be 1250. If you give the target two to two and a half feet of lead with a sustained lead, you pull a target along on a string, right, like this, mm-hmm. two and a half feet of lead, the target will break. If you go with 1,500 feet per second or faster, you could literally shoot at the front of the target and break it. Really? Yes. Huh. Okay. okay but now what happens is because we started out really fast at 1550, it slows down at a faster rate than the one that started out at 1200. So if that makes sense. Okay. So, and that that doesn't
1: matter if that's lead or steel or any of that, right?
2: No, it does not. Okay. They'll they'll slow down at different rates because of specific gravity, Mm -hmm. but they're going to slow down faster than if it started out slower. Okay. Okay. Now, we're going to get into a line here where people are going to, it's way too scientific and there's way too many physics involved. You've got air density of different elevations. You've got wind, you've got all different things involved. You've got moisture content. Right. I mean, you can't even think about this stuff when you're shooting. Right. But I'm bringing it up because I've done it. So the thing that's critically important for any shotgun shooter is you need to find the best ammo for you, and you need to stick with it. Okay. And the best ammo for you, in my opinion, is something that's got similar velocity, with similar payload, and that's it, right? Okay. Because if I take if I take a steel number four at thirteen hundred feet per second and I take a Bismuth number four at 1350, and I take a lead number four at 1300, and I take a TSS number four at 1300, my lead and my shooting and my everything is gonna be the same no matter what I do inside 35 yards. Hmm. But the moment you exceed that 35 yard mark, you're going to start to see differences in leads in all of those loads.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And the reason is because of the specific gravity of the pellet material. So let's, we're going to say 50 yards now because that's where it becomes pretty significant. 50 yards with a range finder. Okay. The loads I just mentioned steel four, bismuth four, lead four. TSS-4. Four. Steel-4, four, you're going to need 50 yards on a crossing duck of normal speed. You're going to need approximately 12 feet of lead, let's say. Okay? Uh, okay. With the bismuth, you're going to need approximately 8 to 9 feet of lead. Wow. With the lead, you're going to need approximately 6 to 8 feet of lead. With the TSS, you're going to need approximately four feet of lead. Really? Yes.
1: Holy cow. I never reason, thought of that. The
2: reason for that is because the retained velocity at the 50 yards.
1: Wow. Okay. That so, shows. And that's. Okay. Wow. That's. Yeah. I don't even want to get. No. I was going to ask a question. That's just going to make things more crazy.
2: It, it starts getting crazy. So, wow. the reason that I explain this to people in my numbers, I don't want people to hold me. Yeah, to, no. To the numbers exactly. you're, just,
1: you're just showing a comparison, is all. Yeah.
2: What I'm trying to explain is that the lighter the pellet at velocity, at distance, the velocity is going to drop off faster. Right, mm, it's yeah, just common right, sense. Right. Never mind physics and science. Yeah, right. If you throw a ping pong ball at something, and then you throw a freaking golf ball right. at something, yeah, they're about the same size, right? Yeah. Okay, so the ping pong ball is steel, and the golf ball is TSS, and yeah. then the bi- the lead, the bismuth is in between, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So think about that when you're choosing your ammo. So. The reason I bring this up is because it's really important as shotgun shooters to practice and the way you practice, if you're hunting, is you practice shooting sporting clays. You don't practice on skeet, you don't practice on trap. Okay. You practice on sporting clays or five standard feet task. And the reason you practice is because this teaches you how to hit a moving target at different distances, different speeds, different trajectories, different sizes, right? so when we get into a duck blind we're not clueless
3: Mm
2: -hmm. right but then what happens is the moment that we start to figure out what we're doing and we start to become somewhat consistent to where we can start to hit stuff 50 percent of the time we need to really start to focus on things that are really important to get better and the thing that is the most important is to shoot the same ammo all the time
1: okay.
3: okay, okay,
2: because of what I just talked about. And this doesn't matter if you're shooting clay targets, pheasant, doves, ducks, geese, cranes, wild boar, deer, doesn't matter what you're shooting. You need to stick with the same thing all the time. Mm. And what I mean by the same thing is the same pellet material and the same velocity within reason, right?
0: Mm. If
2: I go to a sporting clay tournament, and I'm normally shooting 1200 feet per second, but these days I can only get 1250. I'm okay. Who cares? 50 feet per second. I don't care. The target don't care. You're never going to see the difference.
1: So, All right? okay. So let's just throw this out there. Say if you're someone like myself, that usually I would say, majority of the time, there are some certain situations while just also shoot heavy metal, because I shoot heavy shot. Like, like strictly. And I have been for like three, four years. But that being said, depending on what I'm targeting as far as bird wise is what changes up, which you're totally, you're totally destroying that whole process about how you're explaining stuff to me. It's like, it doesn't even matter. But in a way, but I, I would say 75% of the time I'm shooting heavy bismuth, but then like if I'm going somewhere, it's going to be mainly till or whatever, just for money purposes, cost. I'll shoot like heavy metal or heavy steel. So are you saying between it doesn't matter what duck I'm shooting, if I'm shooting sporting clays, if I'm shooting dove, should I be sticking with heavy bismuth? or are you just saying I should stick with the speeds and the shot size all the same?
2: So, so the speed is the most critical thing to stick with. But like I said, inside 35 yards, that velocity is gonna be relatively the same with lead.
3: Okay.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. But if you're out there poking at stuff out at 50 yards, Mm -hmm. you better know exactly what you're shooting. And it better be something you're very familiar with all the time. Okay. Because you're not gonna hit anything if if so so if you're shooting, if you're normally shooting twelve hundred feet per second lead loads on a sporting clay course. At targets from 15 yards out to 75 yards, Mm -hmm. don't expect to hit anything at 50 yards with steel at 1,300 feet per second at 50 yards because your lead is going to be, you're going to need more lead on the steel than you did with your lead.
1: Mm. Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah, no, I I get it. Yeah, I totally understand what you're saying.
2: You can experiment yourself. Like the way that I learned this was by doing it. Right. Because I always hunt with two guns, right? Really? If I'm I'm hunting by myself in my blind or with my wife or with my buddy, I'm hunting with two guns normally. Number one, in case one breaks, I can't sit there and be a bird watcher, (laughs) right? And number two, if something comes in really close or really far, I've got two different scenarios set up. Mm. I also know exactly what I'm doing. Like one gun may have one ammo in it and the other gun may have another ammo in it. Yeah. But I also have them set up for different distances. So I do things different. Right. But because I can, because I do so much of it. Right. But the reason that I started doing this as I learned a long time ago like I would have two identical guns same choke I would have steel in one gun and I would have TSS in the other gun right okay. and a bird would come by that I could totally shoot with no problem at all and I would kill it with the steel shot and then another one would come by the same exact spot the same speed I would pick up the other going to TSS. I'd shoot in front of them by three feet. And I'd be like, what the hell was that? Same velocity, same everything. Hmm. And that's when I realized, oh yeah, well it retained the velocity better at that distance. I didn't need as much lead. Over so, over
1: 35 five. probably, right? Or was past it?
2: 30, oh yeah, okay, past Cause inside yeah. that
1: you're saying it doesn't even.
2: Inside it's, 35, it's not significant enough To notice a difference okay okay that's good to know with the same velocity
1: okay wow you
2: know but what you're obviously what you're going to notice is like if you're shooting if you're shooting let's say bismuth and tss you're going to see a big difference in pattern efficiency right Uh so like the bismuth is going to be way more open than tss is at that same distance so like you could have you could be off a lot more with your lead with the bismuth than you can be with the TSS because you're shooting a much smaller pattern. Mm. So that all these things come into play, Yeah, which is where the choke comes in, mm. where the bore diameter of the shotgun comes in, where the pellet size comes in. I mean, ballistically shotgunning is huge and becoming efficient, really efficient with a shotgun takes a lot of practice and a lot of shooting it's not something that's simple. And you know, I know there's a lot of people out there that say, Oh, you make it a lot harder than it needs to be. It's simple. Just pick it up, put it where it needs to be and the duck will die. Well, that's true. If the birds inside, you know, 30 yards, it really is. I tell people if you're shooting birds inside 25 yards, it doesn't matter what gun, what choke, what ammo you're shooting, it's going to die. Right. Mm -hmm. But for people, those of us that shoot beyond, it becomes different. It's a different world. And that's when you need to really pay attention to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, over the years, especially recently, after doing all the testing of steel, bismuth, TSS, I mean, I've, I've really fallen in love with bismuth, um, boss, to be exact. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the reasons go beyond just the ammo, I mean, the company and their innovation and their pioneering. I mean, what they do is, you know, they're making their own wads, for God's sake. They're really trying to up the ante on ammunition. They're leaders in the industry, in my opinion, because they're constantly innovating. And by making their own wads, that shows me that they're trying to make things better for me, the end user. So that's why I like to look at companies like that, because it shows me that they're trying to make things better so not just follow everybody else of what everybody else is doing and what everybody else is doing is giving us stuff that's not good you know what i i told a couple ammo companies over the last 12 months after having conversations with the presidents of the company i asked him i said why aren't you giving why aren't you putting heavier payloads in your ammo and reducing the velocity to create better ballistics for hunters? And their answer to me was that that's not what people want. So my answer to that was, well, it's sad because what you're giving people is stuff that they want, but what they want is not what they need Mm -hmm. and the reason they're asking for the things they want is because the ammo companies have been blowing smoke telling them that they need things that are not good Mm. and now it's come full circle to bite you because what we need is heavier payloads smaller pellets and slower velocity but because of all these years you've been blowing smoke saying Mm. we need hypervelocity and speed kills, which has required bigger pellets to put birds down and which has required less pellets to create the higher velocity, you've now created a sickness to where people are asking for stuff that's bad. And now you're catering to them to make money because they want it. So what you're doing is you're just feeding yeah. the disease. You're not fixing it mm-hmm. and you're yeah. not helping. You're hurting. So that's that's why I like what Boss does. They put a heavy payload in their shell. They shoot a slower velocity, which is 1350. I would prefer it to be even slower, but 1350 works for their components. And I like it. I like it a lot better in steel. I like it a lot better in TSS because I don't have to pay 10 bucks a shot. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And to be honest, nobody should be shooting TSS unless they're shooting past sixty yards. And that's honest to goodness ballistics coming from a ballistics expert, coming from a master class shooter, coming from a choke manufacturer. Mm. If you're not shooting past 60 yards, don't shoot TSS. You're just wasting your freaking money. Um, I can consistently kill ducks at 40 to 50 yards with steel shot, using my chokes with the loads I mentioned. If I wanna shoot one load at everything and not worry about it, I just shoot boss bismuth. If I wanna shoot stuff really far, or I know I'm gonna have to be killing birds really far for whatever reason it is, I'm gonna be using my tungsten, my TSS, because there is no substitute. It's like porsche you know <laughs> yeah there is no substitute for tss i don't think there ever will be you know mm. but it's hard to it's hard to put that dollar on that shot
1: right right yeah oh man so, this is i don't know if you'll be able to i know you're gonna be out of town but i might have to try to snag you again monday or tuesday before you go out of town because i feel like we haven't scratched the service. i we didn't even go into bismuth and i don't want to cut it off but not, I mean, we could still go another 10 minutes or 15, but I'd like...
2: Well, we go, keep going. I'm okay. okay.
1: I'd like to jump in. Maybe we'll save Bismuth and some other stuff for the next episode if you're willing to do that. But I'd like yeah, to go absolutely. in for people listening because obviously you're listening to this, and it's not... I, I, I'm i not saying... Yeah, you're not sitting here trying to just, blow, like you said, blow smoke to sell your chokes. You're just We're just talking about straight up... The reality of thousands and thousands of shells you've shot and testing you've done and that you actually create, you did create a product that obviously, I don't know what, if you have a degree, how many degrees you have in college or what you did. Cause your, your, your level is definitely like far superior than I can even almost comprehend, but, <laughs> um, but your chokes, let's go into the, I know you do more than just waterfowl. That's not even where you started with, but your waterfowl chokes. Can we go into those three and talk a little bit about those?
2: Yeah. So, so with the waterfall chokes, I have three constrictions, decoy, passing and UFO. So what are the so constrictions
1: on those? Just yeah. For number so they're of the size.
2: self-explanatory. I mean, obviously decoy is for sort of over decoys. Mm-hmm. Passing is for passing shots. And the ufo is for you know the outer limits Mm -hmm. right it also couples as my turkey choke oh Um, the the ufo yes okay and
1: what what's the actual numbers on those chokes
2: so so here's where things get interesting so back and and this could be a whole nother couple days of talking right so so i created what's called gspg gun specific patterning geometry and what i did Back in 93, when I started doing all this testing, when I bought those 10 modified chokes from another big company, and I found out that the geometry was the thing that created the patterns, mm-hmm. more so than the exit diameter, I realized that every single gun shot entirely different with no choke tube in it at all, like I had mentioned, right?
1: Even the same so, guns, right? Like, even if there's two fronky... Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah. So, so if you take, if you take two Franke affinities and you take the choke out of them and shoot them, they're going to be pretty darn similar, similar enough not to worry about. Okay. Okay. But if you take, um, if you take a Franke affinity and you take a Browning a five and you take the choke out of them, I assure you the patterns are very different. Okay. Right. So let me explain something really valuable here. That'll blow your mind. And pretty much everybody I've ever taught. Take a Beretta Mobile choke gun or a Benelli Cryo Plus choke gun or any of the Benellis, M1, M2, SBE3, whatever. Those guns have anywhere between a 719 thousandths to 724 thousandths of an inch bore diameter down the barrel. So 0.719 to 0.724. We'll call it 0.720 for a round number, right? 720. Take a Browning. 7.25 7.25 or A5 or any Invector Plus choke, Invector DS choke system, most of those average 7.45, mm. okay? So 7.45 subtracts 7.20. That's 25 thousandths of an inch difference mm-hmm. before you even put a choke in the gun. Wow. 25 thousandths is improved modified. Wow. So think about that. Mm. So, how can I take a Beretta mobile choke gun, or we'll say Benelli, because Benelli is the top-selling waterfowl choke in the industry at this point. Take a Benelli gun with a 720 bore, and take a Browning with a 745 bore, and put an improved cylinder choke in both. That is ten thousandths constriction.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: The Browning's now 735 exit and the Benelli. Is 710. Wow. How can you tell me they're the same? i even close. You can't.
1: Huh. Wow. But I mean, I've heard of that. I've heard of not those specific numbers, but I heard how everyone's different, but I did not realize it was that drastic of a difference.
2: Yep. All I'm not gonna say all because look, Jebs, Jebs did something different, right? Jebs gives you the exit diameter. They don't really call it modified fall, extra fall, they just give you a number, 650, right. 660, 695, so whatever, right? Which is more accurate than anybody else because they're honestly telling you what the exit diameter is. So here you go. You want a 685? Here you go. Put in your gun and go shoot it. I don't know what you're going to get, but at least you know what it measures. <laughs> yeah. Right? But here's the catch. Do you know what your bore diameter measures in your shotgun?
1: Wow, so that's all it comes down to.
2: People don't, right? But that's all it comes down to, right? Yeah, so then what does the 685 mean to you? It means nothing. Wow. But your buddy told you it works good, so you buy it. Well, the problem is your buddy has a 685 in his Benelli and you've got a Browning A5. So you go buy a 685 and you can't kill anything. Hmm. It's not the Jeb's choke that's bad. That's crazy. It's just that you put the wrong choke in your gun. Boy, so that,
1: there's just so much we just don't know, huh?
2: No, so it's huge. So, so I realized all this back, back in 1993 when I did all this research, right? And I fixed all that. So, the reason that I call my chokes decoy passing UFO and my clay target chokes U0, U1, U2, U3, and U4, I would never ever copy something that's not true, or not real. Like, why would I call my chokes light modified modified full extra full? They're not even they don't even pattern the way they're marked. So why would I copy what's obsolete? Mm. So I refuse to mislead people. And that's all that choke tubes do they mislead people. So the only way you know what it does is when you put in your gun and you shoot it. And even then people don't know because they don't know what they're looking at. So they go shoot paper, they don't know how to shoot paper. They don't know how to do the process properly. They go load one shell. They put a piece of paper at 40 yards. They shoot at a 30-inch circle with one shot freehand, and they think that they know what they got. They don't know anything.
1: Can I ask you they one question real quick? Because I know we yep. probably won't talk about it in this one. So you said freehand. What distance should you shoot besides that 15 yards? We talked about that. But like, if you want to yep. see what something does, do you, what distance do you do and how do you shoot it? Because I know we how we shoot in the field is freehand, but how are you saying we should do it?
2: Just so real quick. There's a couple, yep. There's a few different uh, scenarios, right? Mm-hmm. So the first thing we want to do is we want to make sure our firearm is shooting straight, mm-hmm. right? Make sure the barrel's not bent. Make sure the choke tube's not machined wrong, right? So what I do is I bench rest it like a rifle and I shoot a piece of paper at 15 yards with no choke in it okay. once. And I shoot at five shots. All right. Okay. Then I go out there at the and same I, paper I at the same paper, yep. five shots. Yep. Same okay. exact spot, five shots. Okay. I go out, I evaluate if it looks proper, you know, point of impacts mm-hmm. on center or wherever I want it, 60, 40, 70, 30. I like 50, 50, because I want to know exactly where it is. Yep. Um. So, And that's a whole nother discussion. (laughs) I can discuss that, but basically now I've determined that the barrel in the gun is straight and it's shooting exactly where I'm aiming Yes. right now. I stand up and I mount on the dot and I shoot five shots. I mount, I shoot, I mount, I shoot five shots. Right. Mm. Then I go look at it and lo and behold, The point of impact is way high left. Why? Because the shim between the stock and the receiver is wrong for my anatomy. Mm. The length of my neck, the height of my cheekbone, the way I put the stock into my face Mm -hmm. like this, like that, like that, whether I'm into the stock like this or back here, all matters. All matters. How my face is over my toes and my front foot how I lean on my front leg, how I spread my feet apart, how I stand, how I lean into the gun, how I stand vertical. This all matters on your point of impact, the length of your stock, the height of your comb on your stock, the width of the stock where it hits your face. This is all criteria that matters on gun placement. I mean, pattern placement, right? These are things nobody really talks about. They all, oh, Benelli SBE3, they're garbage. They all shoot high really (laughs) has nothing to do with the gun, man. It's because the shim that came with the gun, the shim that's in between the stock Mm -hmm. and the receiver Mm -hmm. that the gun came with last year or the year before was one that was made for somebody with a very long neck with a very high cheekbone with a very vertical stance that gun shot dead nuts for them. But for me, the gun's like a trap gun. It shoots like 80 hmm. 20. It's not the gun's fault. It's just that I'm different. Yeah, yeah. So fix it. Yeah. You know? Anyway, so, so that's so point of impact, make sure the gun is good on a bench like a rifle. Once you determine that the gun is good, then you stand up and you freehand shoot to make sure that the gun fits you. 15 yards, no choke in the gun once you get the gun to where it fits you, then you put your choke tube in the gun and you repeat the process. The reason you do that is because the choke tube could be machined improperly. It could be out of square, out of cylindricity, out of squareness, whatever, and it could cause your pattern to be off. Your uh, point of impact. So start
1: back with the choke on the bench rest.
2: Yes. Okay, because you're so tr- testing
1: after- the choke at now at this point. Yep. Okay.
2: Yep. Okay. So after you've determined that the point of impact good with the gun, with no choke, then put the choke in and prove that the choke is good. Once you prove that the choke is good, now it's a matter of, okay, what distance am I going to shoot at, right? So pattern at the distance that you intend to use that choke and ammo combo. So what I mean is, I'm not gonna use a cylinder choke or a ski choke at 60 yards, so I'm not gonna pattern it at 60 yards. I'm not gonna plan on using a full choke at 15 yards, so I'm not gonna pattern a full choke at 15 yards, right? Yep. So I know my hunting and I know what I'm gonna go hunt. So I know approximately what distance I'm gonna be shooting because I'm the one setting my decoys and I'm the one setting my blind. Mm-hmm so if i know that my average shots are going to be at 30 yards but it may be 20 and it may be 40 i'm going to pattern my choke and ammunition load at 30 yards and i'm going to make sure that it's good and then i'm going to shoot it at 20 and then i'm going to shoot it at 40 just so i know what i've got right mm-hmm. but like i said beware patterning on paper is two-dimensional and you are not getting what you think you're getting so That's really all we can do. And I understand, but what I like to do is I like to shoot things on the water. And when you shoot things on the water or on the mud, if you have access to mud, because mud is like shooting clay, right? You shoot it and you can sort of visualize it for Mm -hmm. a while before it goes away. I live in a muddy tidal marsh, so I can do that. But if you shoot on the water, you're going to be able to tell, a good pattern from an inferior pattern very, very quickly. And the way you're going to be able to tell that is set out a jug of milk, a Clorox bottle, an old decoy that you don't like a decoy. You like, I don't care. (laughs) I shot them (laughs) (laughs) all. So your buddy's decoy, that's the best one. Yeah. So set out your decoy or get a quack decoy from Ken Gagnon, the rubber ducky. It's unsinkable. Shoot the hell out of it. Um, Set out a decoy at 30 yards and put your choke and take your desired ammo and have your buddy film it or set up a camera on a tripod behind you at the decoy, zoomed in and shoot the decoy and change ammo and shoot the decoy or change chokes and shoot the decoy at 30 yards on the water. If you have a good combination it's going to look like an M-80 went off in the water. There's going to be a huge splash of water. You're going to have trouble seeing the decoy when you pull the trigger. And then when the dust settles, you're going to know that that duck would have been stoned dead, right? Mm-hmm. But if you shoot at that decoy at 30 yards and it looks like you threw the pellets in the water by hand, there's there's like pellets hitting the water all around the bird as individu- individual pellets. You right. You see boom, 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 boom. It's not good. Okay. You're going to see that the decoy barely moves. You're going to see that there's not a lot of water explosion. That's a bad pattern, Mm. right? You need explosion and you need duck disappearing Mm. at 30 yards.
1: No matter what choke.
2: Exactly. No matter what choke, what ammo, what gun. If you see individual pellets hitting water around a target at 30 yards, Mm. throw it in the garbage and
1: i have seen that
2: <laughs> no you see it a lot yeah <laughs> you know how many times i've been on a beach with hunters shooting at birds going through decoys at 25 yards and there's pellets from the beach 40 yards Jeez. beyond the bird and the bird just keeps flying yeah i yeah. mean horrific patterns and a lot of times it's the choke because let's be honest The choke tube is the last thing that contacts your shock column before it goes to the target. The choke is critically important way more than most people think. Right. Mm. It's like the rubber tires on a sports car. (laughs) Buy a Ferrari, put plastic tires on it. You won't leave the parking lot. Right. Right. You need the right tires on a sports car to make it perform.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Well, same thing with a choke tube. You could have the best ammo and the best gun, but if you got a crappy choke tube, It don't matter what you got. It's going to suck. Right. Right. You could be right on a target and never hit it. And this is one of the most important, valuable things I've taught my students over the years. You know, I'm a shooting instructor and all that fun stuff. Right. I've watched many top shooters right on a target, be right on the target, bang, and it doesn't break. And what do they do? They change their lead. Well, now they're really off and now they're not going to hit the target, mm-hmm. right? The reason they didn't break the target or they didn't kill a duck is because the choke.
3: Mm-hmm. It went
2: right through the pattern. And I'm talking oh. at close distances with the right choke, supposedly. Right. You know? And, you know, all sw- these. I, and like, I
1: swear I've had that happen, that very thing. Like, I swear they sw- they went right
2: through it. Oh, 100%. You know? But then it Believe
1: totally me. does. It it's totally screws with you and messes you up the rest of the day after that.
2: Oh, yeah. And um, the sad part about it is what's happened over the years, um, because this exact scenario has happened, people have gone with larger pellets, they've gone with faster velocity thinking that that's the cure. And it's the absolute opposite of what Mm -hmm. they should be doing. So what's happening is, I'll bet you 90% of my customers ask me, what's the tightest choke you got? And my question is, why do you want that? Well, I wanna kill stuff. Well, the problem is that's not what you want. And then I have to try to explain it to them. The reason people are asking for that is because the chokes that we've had up until Mueller came along have given us such insufficient pattern efficiency that we've had to go tighter and tighter just to get some pellets on the bird. Mm. And then to make things even worse, The ammo companies, like I said, have gone lighter payloads and faster velocity, which has spread the pellets out even more, which has made the sickness even worse. So we keep going tighter and tighter with choke, bigger and bigger with pellets, faster and faster with velocity. We're just creating this snowball effect that's getting worse and worse, which is why I talked about boss, because boss is the first person in a long time or the first company in a long time that's actually put the brakes on that and said no we're not going to follow the trend we're going to become a pioneer and a leader and try to make things better Mm -hmm. we're going to give heavier payload better wad better components slower velocity and we're going to put more pellets on the target which is why they just developed their new war chief their new war chief is buffered it keeps the pattern denser it keeps it together longer They've made their own wads. They've they've made a machine, and they've developed their own wads to perfect the load. Mm-hmm. I mean, who does that? Yeah, it sounds like Most some. Sounds wire, like someone there actually. Italy,
1: man. Yeah, it sounds like someone there that actually really was out searching for what. You know what I mean? Because I don't think they started that way, but they must be like, okay, there's got to be more to this and talk to the right people and explain to them that, you know, and that might be something, hopefully maybe, you know, over time we could spread that to a lot of the ammo companies is get back to that. Because I mean, you're blowing my mind and, and opening my mind to stuff I'd honestly God never thought of. Um, and it makes like, you're explaining scientifically and geometrically. So it's like, how do you argue that? You know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's how I started this whole thing. I was like, I've got to prove this to myself. Yeah. And then once I proved it to myself, um, I just felt it was important to teach it to others, you know? Yeah. And, and the reason it's so important to teach it is because so few are, hmm. you know, you've got, you've got myself, you've got Joel Strickland, you've got George Kunitz, you've got, well, that's about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I know of. Yeah. And in, in this circle, right? Yeah, yeah. And I know there's others, but I don't know of them. Yeah. Um back in 1976, Bob Brister wrote the book Shotgunning. That was basically the shotgunning Bible. Mm-hmm. And to this day, people still refer to that book, right? Mm-hmm. For their shotgunning. Yeah. The problem is back in 1976, that book was a wealth of knowledge with lead shot with chilled shot with magnum loads back then with fixed full choke and fixed modified and fixed ski chokes that information that he did is all obsolete now the new barrels are hardened 4130 alloy steel approved for steel shot they're machine different the harmonics are different the way they move when you fire is different. Mm-hmm. The ammo is different. The chokes are different. Nothing is similar to 1976 when that book was written. Mm. So between 1976 to now, yeah, nothing useful has been written anywhere. Wow. That's or crazy. So what we've listened to is all the myth and all the hype from ammo companies. For years. Other companies for many years. Wow! So one last thing I want, one thing I want to say before we end this to clarify that going back about 10, 10 to 15 years ago, I think it was closer to 12. Um, if you remember the prices of metal alloys, namely lead went through the roof, something happened You could Google it. I can't remember what it was. But something in the economy happened where the price of alloys, metals, went through the roof. And a box of high-powered rifle ammo that was $10 a box went to $65 overnight. Some of them went to $100 a box for like belted magnums, right? Well, that sort of lasted a long time. And the prices now are just starting to recede a little bit, right? But they created a new plateau for a price of ammo. So if you look back at that time when lead prices went through the roof and all metal alloys went through the roof, you will see that that's the same time ammo companies started marketing that hypervelocity killed, speed kills slogans. And the reason they did it was the ammo companies capitalized on it. So basically what they realized was the most the most expensive component in a shot shell is the pellet. And the cheapest component in a shot shell is the powder. So what they did was they took the most expensive component out, which is the shot with lighter payloads. They increased the powder charge, which is the cheapest component. And they started marketing hypervelocity kills and speed kills jargon and slogans they laughed all the way to the bank at our expense. Mm. Wow. And that's where it generated from. Mm. And now here we are 10, 15 years later, still believing that crap. And now people are starting to disprove it. And now the ammo companies keep doing it. And it's going to get to a point where the ammo companies are going to start seeing podcasts like this. And people are going to see it. And people are going to start questioning it because people are going to see it yep in true hunting scenarios right yeah and people are going to start reloading ammo and they're going to start reloading at 1200 feet per second with steel and bismuth and they're going to be like oh my lord this is like shooting lead and then wow. ammo companies are going to be like oh shit. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah we better so, change
1: change things yeah yep, and I almost think it would be better for them if they did that. Not just for this fact of it; it looks good for them as far as the the um, the potential of it and the uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for the uh, the actual
2: benefit benefit,
1: but also the fact that technically wouldn't it be ca- cheaper in cost for them?
2: Sort in of in a way, so, kind of you know. So. So it would be because they'd end up selling a lot more of it. But yeah. the thing is, you know, the pellet, the shot is expensive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other components are not, especially the powder. The powder is the cheapest component. It's hard to get yeah. these days. So even cheap, if you're right?
1: using you're more shot and less powder, it's not really yeah. balanced. Okay. It's,
2: still, it's still expensive. Yep. And that's what they are trying to get away with. But the fact yeah. is they're <clears throat> being penny, penny wise pound foolish, right? Mm. So... What's gonna end up happening is these companies are gonna to start to learn this. And then the people, first of all, the hunters are gonna learn it because yep. we're doing things like this to help them, mm-hmm. right? And it's not blowing smoke because you can go test what I'm right, saying. Right. You could go get a reloader, you could go put the shot in it. So here, I'm gonna I'm gonna expose something. I'm not <clears throat> I'm not gonna say the name of the company because I don't like to bad muffle. Mm-hmm. But I took a well-known steel shock company that swears that their ammo is the best. It was one of the companies I had a conversation with, and they told me they were going to do what people wanted, okay? Even though they agreed with me on my ounce and three-eighths at 1,300 or slower, they agreed with me. They said they were going to do what people wanted, and they were going to continue with light payload at fast velocity, I took their ammo, I went out and I put a decoy in the water and I shot it multiple times on video. And then I went home and I cut their ammo open, I dumped the shot out, I loaded into my hull with the same exact components as theirs. And I reduced the velocity from their velocity down to 1200 feet per second. And I went out and I shot the same exact scenario, and it looked like you changed and shot TSS. Really? It was incredible. So by changing the velocity 350 feet per second and changing nothing else, it went from pellets all around the bird to an explosive pattern. Wow. <laughs> so I proved not only to myself, but to them that I was correct. And I sent them the video And they never responded. Wow. So, I mean, that's all you can do.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, I guess one last touching. I I do got to go. I got to be somewhere. But one last touching thing. So you got your deep for waterfowl. You got your decoy. You're passing your UFO and mainly UFOs for way out there and for Turkey. Uh, You can go to uh, molarchokes.com, right, to find your product there. Facebook, Mueller chokes. Um, it doesn't look like nothing on Instagram really, right?
2: Yeah, there's some Instagram stuff. Um, I, I don't do the Instagram stuff, so, you know, it's just not what I do. I, I focus on Facebook. Um, I've got a, I've got Jimmy Mueller on Facebook. Okay. Um, I've got a Mueller hunting fan page. Okay. I've got Mueller chokes, uh, Mueller hunting chokes and Mueller competition chokes. Okay. And, um, yeah, the decoy passing UFO, I mean, the decoy is good for, you know, over decoys, passing, passing shots, the UFO beyond that. But what I tell people is the decoy and passing is really, really best with steel and bismuth. Um, they're amazing with TSS, of course. Um, but the UFO, I really design that for target. Uh, I'm sorry. I design that for lead turkey loads for distances beyond 40. Okay. And I designed it for TSS beyond fifty.
1: Okay. And you design these when we someone goes into your site, you design them for each specific gun. It's not one size. I mean, obviously you gotta do the threads and all that, but I mean you actually set it up and tested it with each specific like say for instance my twenty grade twenty gauge Franke Affinity. It's not just about the, the way the threading is, you set it up for that specific gun, correct?
2: That's correct. So so basically every gun has its own thread pattern right mm-hmm. and some guns cross-reference like your franke affinity takes the bretta mobile choke mm-hmm. which is also benelli standard choke right mm-hmm. so when i developed that choke for a bretta mobile gun i did all of the geometry changing in the choke to get the most picture perfect lowest shot shot deviation that gun could produce with multiple ammos across the board right I drew the blueprint for the choke for that gun, moved to the next gun, started all over, right? Mm -hmm. So every one of my chokes has its own taper length, parallel length, gasker clearance, surface uh, finish, exit diameter, uh, radius blend between the two. I mean, you name it, right? Overall lengths are different based on how those guns pattern the best. And then what I did was when guns came out that cross-reference, like your Franke Affinity, I got that gun and i put my mobile choke in it and patterned it and made sure that that gun actually patterns very similar and if it didn't i made tweaks to make sure that it did so that's how i did everything
1: wow (laughs) can't get any more specific i can't wait to try them out jim thank you so much for coming on this episode and again everybody listening we're we're doing i mean as long as you're okay with it i could do I could do 10 more of these and I guarantee you'd get, be giving new and good information on every single one of them. So I don't feel like we probably even scratched the surface, huh? About yeah, what could we, we talked uh, about.
2: We scratched the surface on a bunch of different things and, yeah. uh, and there there's a lot more there, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, uh, guys, everybody stay tuned because we're definitely going to be having more uh with mr muller on here and uh, again thank you and check out his check out the website and stay tuned because i'm definitely gonna be um doing some pattern testing videos exactly how he was saying it i mean i'd known for a long time that i wasn't really doing them the proper way i'm just you know you're trying to save ammo and you're trying to test and see what you see but like i'm actually really excited about doing the way you were saying do it just with the 15 yards and then moving back and all that stuff i'm i'm really excited and i'll be putting some of those videos out but thanks again and uh appreciate you coming on here
2: oh you got it man thank you very much and uh let me know anytime i'm here
1: all right sounds good everybody thank you for listening and we'll see you guys on the next one